is Ronaldo! Oh my goodness! You don't save those! Out of this world! Messi! 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 3 nothing. Landon Donovan, there are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey is denied again! And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through! Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! For the fourth time, the United States of America are crown champions of the world. From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. Well, I got to tell you, I want to promise everybody out there, I'm not egotistical. I recorded that far before I knew that on this day, on May 26, I would be a-hosting this episode of FUVFC with two of my very dear friends, Mike Hernandez, Nick Guzman. Gentlemen, it is very good to be here. Mike, you are back in the studio, back. We, we, we have you know, coronated your return from London, and it's good to see you again, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, I'm just happy to be back. Uh, you know, London was a lot of fun, but, uh, you know, I'm happy to be back uh, in New York, and, you know, I'm just happy to be on the show. Now, here's the funny part about this, folks. We have spent so much time doing this show virtually with Michael Hernandez, and now, all of a sudden, we have a new Michael Hernandez who's virtually with us, and that is uh, Mr. Nick Guzman. Nick, how are you? That is true. I'm doing good. I'm in my comfort of my own bedroom right now. Comfort. Oh, wow. What kind of ex- so what's the real reason you could not be here? Is there one? It's a mix of things. I'm going to the beach tonight for Memorial Day weekend, mm. and I got home very late for from Red Bulls last night. I could technically That's have true. gone in. Wow. It's, it's, a working, it's like an it's hour a working 45 man, both I ways. worked the Yankees yesterday. I'm still here. Hey, I mean, you know what? All that matters, though, we've gotten so comfortable now with doing these Zoom shows that it's almost like he's here with us. He's got a camera looking at me. And this is the funny it's part true. about this, too. None of us are in the same room right now. We're all doing the show in different places. Mike is in our front studio. I'm in our back studio producing. And, and her, uh, Nick is over Zoom. So it's a really, really fun a fun production here. But as always, this is what FUVFC does. We find ways to adapt, to rebuild, and, and to come here and talk some soccer with you folks as we get here to really guys what's the home stretch of the soccer calendar because we've now coronated the the champion of the premier league and we're very close to doing it in the champions league mike i'm sure your your favorite time of the year here is almost over how are you feeling yeah i mean you know obviously i'm sad uh that you know the the soccer year is coming to an end because uh, now it'll be like 10 weeks or so with with no uh, uh with no soccer at all oh i mean that's see that's not really true though no soccer okay fine L- let me rephrase no top five league so- soccer um, so, you know, I, I am going to miss that, but at the same time, you know, I, I am happy that, you know, on Sundays I won't have to wake up early and, you know, be glued well, to Well, it wasn't TV. even early, though, for London time. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. You don't right. even I'm know what the rest the of us half. are going through. You don't even understand <laughs> that. And, Nick, I'm not going to sit here and let him tarnish Major League Soccer like that. You have a wonderful product right in front of you. You've got the Red Bulls right there in New Jersey. Sure, they don't win games at home, but who really cares? It's still fun. <laughs> Well, I also want to say, too, NYCFC, I saw my first NYCFC game at City Field the other day, and that was a tremendous experience. I highly, highly recommend it. It was fun going out there. So if you ever get a chance, go see an NYCFC game out at City Field. It was a good one. But, oh, what uh, about at Yankee Stadium? Uh, City was better. Wow. Have, okay. you, have you seen a game at City? Have either of you? No. No, I've only been to Yankee Stadium. I'm telling what's, you guys. What's, what's, what's here, better right? about it? So this is what's fascinating to me. The, the freaking trophy, the trophy that they won for winning Major League Soccer is not at all in the Bronx. It is only at City Field. It's the first time I ever saw the trophy was that they're not even what is a home venue. And apparently I also really? heard I also heard that they get more fans at City because of the Long Island crowd who won't commute to the Bronx usually. 
So for those two reasons together, even though it is a still a somewhat empty ballpark, yeah, and a little bit out of the way, it's a fun experience. I was very, very impressed. I, I highly recommend. They're not back there though. They only got one more game this season at City Field, but still, I would recommend doing it if you if you can. So just throwing that out there. Not not to shade on your your home at Yankee Stadium, Mike, but that's just want to throw that out there. <laughs> so that's all out of the way now because we've got a lot to get into, guys. This has been a very, very fun week in the soccer world. Well, fun, I guess, depending on who you're talking to. The guy on the other end of this glass, not so much fun because Liverpool did their part. They take down Wolves 3-1. to one. Uh, Mike gets one last laugh on me there. But the ultimate goal they don't get, and that is winning the Premier League because Manchester City comes out of absolute nowhere, digs a grave, and comes right out of it themselves, down 2 nothing, and then in a matter of five minutes take a 3-2 lead and ultimately win the Premier League. So, Mike... Take us through your emotions. What was the roller coaster like for you on Championship Sunday? So, um, ironically, I wasn't even actually watching any of the matches. What a fan. No, no, it's because I had to go to the Bronx uh, uh, to work the Yankees game. And I was like, you know, I, I, I want to be in, you know, I don't want to be that affected by the games if, if it doesn't go my way. But I was, so, ironically, I, I did see like the first three minutes of the Liverpool game. And then the moment they scored, I was like, okay. I, I got to get out of here. I, I got to drive uh, to the Bronx. And then, um, you know, while I'm driving, I'm getting texts uh, from my parents who are watching the games. <laughs> like, oh, it's Villa 1-0. Liverpool have equalized. I'm like, okay, you know what? This is getting, you know, this is getting better. And then all of a sudden, it's 2-0 Villa uh, after Coutinho scores a goal. So it's 2-0 in the second half uh, for Villa, and it's 1-1 for Liverpool. So, um, so all of a sudden, I start to, you know, you know, I'm starting to feel something. I'm like, you know, this could, this actually might happen. You know, City may have, you know may have you know tripped and and you know we can do something and then in the span of of me calling someone city city get one back i get out of my car it's level and then by the time i cross the street to get to the stadium it's three two <laughs> the fact that they scored three goals in five minutes yeah, it's, it's just like I'm, I'm just <laughs> i i was just in so much pain like I'm pretty sure I was t- I was texting you, Alex, after that. You were, and and I was like, just the fact that for like you know up until this, I I don't even know what minute they scored. I haven't even looked like the official highlights. I I just haven't looked at any of it. The fact that they scored like in the 70th something, 76th, 78th, and 81st back to back to back, pretty much. Yeah, basically before the 76th minute, I was like, okay, you know maybe this could happen, and then in just it, it's such a. Five minutes for three goals, and then ironically, after uh, I think it was Gundogan who scored the winning goal to make it three-two. That's when Liverpool finally scored uh, with with Salah. So it was like, you know, it, it was just like an ultra punch. It's like, oh, we finally get the goal that we need. But then, you know, <laughs> City have also done it. But um, yeah, I you know I, I am happy that we beat Wolves just so I can brag it in your face again. Means um, nothing. It's also nice to Means see nothing. that you're wearing your team. You know. Well, I was going to say, so I was actually playing, no, I really wanted to wear the jerseys that you got me because they are so fantastic, but I have been shepherding things around in my backpack and just did not have the space for it, unfortunately, so believe me, it did cross my mind, though, don't, don't doubt that. Yeah, well, unlike, you know, I'm actually wearing, uh, you know, my club. Losing um, team. Okay, so Nick, uh, what, team. Nick, what was wow. your perspective from, from Championship Sunday? I know you're, you're a Chelsea fan, correct, coming into this, so you guys had a pretty, a pretty solid season, a pretty solid outcome, no surprises necessarily, but what was your thoughts on City's remarkable comeback and how things ended up here? I had the channel surfing all wrong. So I started watching the City game when they were up 1-0 in the second half. And then Coutinho scores, it's 2-0. So I'm like, okay, so now Liverpool need to do a score goal. I switched to Liverpool game and I miss all three City goals. I just hear them go in and in and in again. It's incredible, yeah. And it's 3-2. And then I go back to the City game and then I Liverpool scores the two goals. So I somehow managed to miss all of the action. But 
for City to score three goals in such a short span of time, Michael, I feel like it would have hurt less if they just smashed Villa 7-0 and got it out of the way. Am I correct about that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure I even said it uh, the last time I was on. The one thing I didn't want was like an Aguero moment where like, you know, we have it and then out of nowhere we lose it, you know, within five minutes. So I would have much preferred, you know, Villa to lose five or, you know, two, three or or by whatever. But the fact that it was that way, it it was just the hope that killed me. Like I was just like for for a solid 30 minutes after the result, um, I was just, you know, I was just so sad because, you know, obviously this was a season that we kept on talking about. Maybe the quadruple happens, you know, obviously it can no longer happen. But, you know, the fact that we were able to push it, you know, up until the final day, like the fact that we pushed City, you know, to the brink. Who was all this we? It's Liverpool. Who was <laughs> we? Come on, fine. I mean, who fine, was we? Fine. I know you're wearing the jersey, but the, I mean, the fact that they thank you pushed them to one point, just like it was in 2018, 2019, to a single point. You know, and 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 I'm pretty sure I said this the last time as well. Liverpool finished with 92 points. That total would be enough to win yeah, at least 20 of the leagues prior to this. That is just absolutely, uh, I just can't believe that that is the level that City and Liverpool have pushed each other to. Like the fact that yep. in the 2018-2019, Liverpool finished second with 97 points. Incredible. Yeah. Like that is, and you only lose one game. That one game was against City. The fact that in that season and this season, Liverpool have only lost three matches and in neither of those did they win the title, and they both lost those by a single point. That is just a mind. That that's just a an incredible stat. Like the fact that you know they were nearly flawless, and that still wasn't enough to win. Yeah, I think it's really and one of the most incredible a, things. From, yeah, go ahead, Nick. From a city side, I feel like on this podcast we've talked about it so much about their depth. I've talked about it, and that's really you see in that game against Villa, Bernardo Silva, an excellent player, is off it a little bit. Mares and other excellent players off at the pace a little bit. They get subbed off. Gunduan comes on. Sterling comes on. Zinchenko comes on. And those three subs, who are all elite caliber players, to have that on your bench, they can come on, change the game. Mm-hmm. And that's really what did it. The depth that, we, that we've talked about that I've mentioned so often on this podcast is what really won the league for City. It was, it was Gunduan coming in and being in the right place at the right time and just having – just this immense, these immense options on your bench is really kind of what makes the difference over a 38-game season. Yeah, 100%, because you look at, again, who scored those goals, too, from Gundogan, who was a sub in that game, and obviously Roger hitting one in as well. And I think what you mentioned, Mike, is really important, is about these are two teams that have just, the way they've pushed each other, I think the last couple seasons is absolutely remarkable, because no matter what order it ends up in, you know, whoever wins the Champions League, whoever wins uh, the Premier League, it's always these two teams that feel like they're in their conversation consistently. Yes, there's been, you know, some flurries from Chelsea or Manchester United or even West Ham for a while was obviously on a great run, and, and Arsenal obviously starting to work their way back as well. But the consistency from these two teams year over year, Mike, I think that's incredible. And even though Liverpool doesn't come out on the right end of it, you've got three other trophies to look back at and say, hey, you know, this well, is an well, incredible uh, wait, team too, right? Don't forget, only two confirmed Okay, praying true, for the third true, true, one. True, true, true. So, but yeah, I mean, I mean, like, you know, I mean, you're in a Champions League final, though. You know, I mean, it's it doesn't get any better than what you're seeing from these two teams. I think either no matter how you look at it, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like you know, it's like I said, the fact that we were talking about the quadruple up until whatever day it was. Uh, it was twenty second, I think it was, mm-hmm. because that was a Sunday or something like that. Twenty, 
22nd. The mm-hmm. fact that we were talking about the quadruple until the final day of the match day, that's the longest any bid of that has ever, you know, happened. So, you know, e- even though, you know, we were just, we were off by just one point, you know, it, it's, you know, it's still been an incredible season. Um, but I will save the next part of this until we go on to the, uh, to the next, uh, to the next subject. But, you know, it's been, it's been a good season so far. Yeah. And I think the other part of this, Nick, for me, that's really interesting is the fact that I don't think either of these two teams are going anywhere soon either, because from a Liverpool standpoint, you know, Mohamed Salah announced the other day, he's going to commit to Liverpool at least for next season. And, and Sadio Amani going to make a decision after that Champions League final. And then you look at City's standpoint, Pep Guardiola, they're looking to have him for five, 10, who even know, 20 years, maybe is what they're saying and how long they want him locked up in, you know, City and also Obviously, they're bringing in some top-level talent, Erling Holland, you know, and and Julian Alvarez who just scored six goals the other day. So that's a team that's again rebuilding to the point where I don't know about you, Nick, but I don't see any two different teams being in the same place next season either. And the fact that really the only flaw that you can maybe point out about City this season is that they needed a, a true number nine, a true goal scorer, and they go out and sign Erling Holland. It's <laughs> pretty good one, the best pure <laughs> nine in the world. And don't forget, they only got him for like sixty million. Like that is that's to me a, a bit sure of a bargain. I'm sure there's all kinds of hidden yeah. fees and mm-hmm. things that are that are thrown in there that aren't, you know, shown in the upfront price. But just to sign a player like that when you're already dominating the Premier League and you already have really for the past decade is insane. But from a Liverpool perspective, I don't think they're going anywhere either. Like you said, Alex, because sure, maybe on paper a player like Salah or Mane or maybe aging, you know, appro- approaching thirty, and you there's no signs of age yet but you know sudden soccer sometimes the drop off can go pretty fast it's not going to happen in the next couple of years mm-hmm. but then you bring in a player this winter like Luis Diaz mm-hmm. who's who's 25 and and he slots in perfectly the front three it's smart transfers from both of these teams that are going to keep this this level of domination kind of kind of going especially in the English game when you think about the sort of chaos happening at my club, Chelsea, although now it seems like it's been resolved with new owners. Arsenal, who knows? Sure, they're on the come up, but they're still Arsenal. United right now are a total mess. So I think, you know, we're kind of used to this whole city, Liverpool dominance, but I think we have to be used to it for the foreseeable future as well. Yeah, and let's broaden the lens a little bit, like you kind of mentioned there, Nick. You talk about, obviously, Man City winning top of the table, Liverpool popping in second with 92 points. And there's that big bit of a drop-off to Chelsea and Tottenham, who are, I would say, two teams that very early in the season, there probably were championship aspirations, but very clearly after that, cemented themselves as Champions League teams, but not much more than that. And then Europa League, obviously, that fifth seed going to Arsenal. So, Mike, if you look at that fleet of teams that is going on to European competition, who impresses you the most about that and who do you think is maybe the biggest threat to either Man City or Liverpool looking ahead to next season um I would have to say it's either down to three teams so either um Tottenham Chelsea or United and for all different United reasons. wow no so no United I, in there now Alex we were talking about this um I picked them to win the Premier League early on in the season which did? was one of the most idiotic oh. takes I've ever had oh, but wow. I do think that's a team that look I mean new leadership they, they got to figure something out because the talent in that room is no different than mm-hmm. any other team that we're talking about here like are we honestly going to say that's not a more talented team than Arsenal yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, the reason I'm I'm going for uh, United is because you know maybe with Ten Hag, I mean I'm pretty sure that you saw his. Uh, I'm pretty sure I told you about the quote uh, when he was yeah. asked about the you know the fact that Pep and Klopp have been dominating this. His response was, "All eras come to an end." That is like the fact that that was like one of the first things I saw from the press conference. That's bold. I, I do it believe that bold. that that eventually will be a threat, but I'd say that the two closer threats would be Chelsea and Tottenham. Yeah, Chelsea are going through a bit of a you know 
um, with the new owners and they're losing key players in the window. But, you know, I think if you if I'm not mistaken, if you go back to like November, they they were, you know, that's it, what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it was a three horse race. Was, yeah. But but was. then you got injuries to Chilwell. So, you know, you know, th- that's a huge, uh, you know, that's a huge absence. So, so the fact that, you know, it was a three horse race, at least for the first bit, you know, shows that Chelsea would be there. Uh, and the reason I chose Tottenham is because, you know, under, you know, um, if you remember back when Conte was first. Uh, the manager, uh, they had the, re- I'm not even sure if it was a record, but they had six halves of football where they didn't have a single shot on target. Mm. Like the, the fact that they went six straight halves, nothing. And, you know, to where they are now, they're, they're fourth. You know, human son uh, tied Salah for the golden boot. You know, you have Kane properly firing. You know, you have that lethal attack of, you know, Kane, Son, and Kuleveski. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Conte or, or Tottenham are um, giving Conte $150 million pounds i believe mm-hmm. and you know in, in like transfer money so, so the fact that you know they're telling him hey you can spend big uh chelsea also have targets so you know those those two could make it an interesting four four horse race but i'm gonna say that you know even if you know obviously you know i'd like it well, I don't know if I'd want it to be more competitive, but you know, <laughs> I I would say that Chelsea would be the closest, then Tottenham, and then just behind because you know, obviously Ten Hag has a really hard job because you know, there's a lot of players there that you know are you know th- that are leaving or you know being paid high wages, so you know th- that that needs to be you know next year you know they're playing in the Conference League, you know they're going to be you know basically having a reset. So it might take a while, but I do believe that United will eventually rise back to where they have been and Tottenham, you know, with Conte and then a uh, a Tuchel with um oh, with Chelsea as well. And Nick, I'm I think sure, yeah, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, I was just going to say with with a team like I think Chelsea and Tottenham are definitely closest like you said Michael, but I still think the gap no matter what those two teams can afford, what they can do in this coming transfer window for next season is still way too much to overcome. I think it'll still be City and Liverpool 1-2 in whichever order that is for next season. And for Chelsea, really, I think no matter who's coming in the door and who's who's going out transfer-wise, the need for, for a pure goal scorer has still... It's You know, they signed Lukaku mm-hmm. last summer. Mm-hmm. That hasn't panned yeah, out. That situation's got to figure. I'm pretty out. sure that they also put a, a ZH on the on the market. Like I'm pretty sure uh, Fabrizio Romano said uh, that they're willing to listen to offers for uh, for ZH as well. So you know it's a it's a bit of a high turnover rate for attackers a little bit. Yeah, you think about all the attackers they brought in: Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Christian Pulisic. Even though I love him, none of them can score goals consistently. And I think as long as Chelsea are getting the majority of their production from their wing backs. They're not going to be able to challenge for a win, for a for a for a league title over the course of a, a long season. Maybe a cup run like we've seen them go on in the Champions League to FA Cup finals, but just the way they play and without pure goal scorers up there, it's not sustainable at all. Tottenham, I like what Antonio Conte is doing, yep. especially considering where they started out earlier this season under Nuno. They axe him, they bring Conte in. He brings in you know Kulusevski, Bentancur in the winter, players who have played well and now are going to be staying at Tottenham. I think as long as they give him the budget, which it sounds like they're going to be doing, he can start building this team, you know, up into into you know his mold of the players that he wants. We've seen him do that at Chelsea. We've seen him do it at Inter. If he gets the kind of players that he wants with the budget that he needs, this Tottenham team could start to look a little scary the next couple of years. But I think for now, 
again, it's going to be Liverpool City for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I would agree with that too. And like you mentioned, mm-hmm. that, that gap this season, you know, that 20-point difference. And Man United is a team who in sixth place, 58 points. They still had a zero goal differential. Then you compare and, that and to And that's what, the lowest point I, points ever uh, for them, if I'm not mistaken. And Man City's well. got, you know, 73 goal differential. Like, the difference in the production of these two teams, I think, is very large to overcome. I do think the talent is in the room, yes, but... Man City and Liverpool, what we've seen from them repeatedly is that they're not satisfied with anything and that they're going to keep putting their foot to the gas until another trophy comes. And I think in general, I would say it's very clear that we have a top five, six that have separated themselves. I think that middle of the pack, you're kind of waiting to see what a lot of those teams there do because West Ham obviously had a dream start and a dream season, but it's very much, you know, fizzled out a little bit down the stretch, but still a very dangerous team. Leicester City always hanging around there. I don't know what we're going to get from Brighton next season. And then Wolves is always a middle of the pack team as well, along with Newcastle and Palace. So I think one thing I wanted to ask you guys, too, just to get a general perspective, if you look at this Champions, or this Premier League season as a whole, talking about the three teams that are relegated, that's Burnley, Watford, and Norwich, talking about the teams that are going on to European contention. I'll start with you, Mike. Is there anybody you're looking at as your biggest, maybe surprise of this season, or maybe biggest disappointment? You could take that either direction you want. I think disappointment could be Man United. Surprise, I'm thinking a team like Brentford and Brighton have both had incredible seasons, but I'm curious what your head is at just on a, a larger picture of what the Premier League has looked like this season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I would say that the biggest... Uh surprise you know of, of performing well uh would be you know it's like you said uh Brentford because because remember the first day of the Premier League the first game was them against Arsenal and they beat Arsenal yes, 2-0 so point. you know and the fact that they had a bit of a you know uh, I believe after the January transfer window a bit of a slight uh downhill but then you know once they got Christian Eriksen back uh you know they finally started to click a little bit and you know the fact that they finished a respectable 13th you know uh I, I think that's great for them uh it's always I, interesting I, right because Brentford is almost following a year one trajectory of like a team like Leeds or a team like Sheffield where they make that jump up they have an incredible first season you wonder what does your two look like right so I think it's yeah. interesting to see what Brentford does next it, season especially yeah exactly it is going to be interesting to see how they handle the second season syndrome because you know as you saw I with like Leeds, second season syndrome. uh you know Leeds they had that great first season and then this season they barely got through you know uh just barely i'm happy because i remember last week on the podcast we were asked who do we who do we think is going to go down and uh, i think all of us were worried that it was going to be leads because because we didn't want it to be leads and luckily it wasn't leads so you know jesse marsh stays up i'm pretty sure he's he's already signed um brandon aronson yep. usa yeah uh, sure for, you love that nick for 30 million love if it. i'm not mistaken so you know uh good signing so far um, another surprise that that went well, I, I would say, is Newcastle because if you consider the yeah, horrible start that they had, like they didn't they didn't win a single one of their first sixteen or a lot of it, turmoil it, it this season in general. Stat. Yeah, a lot of turmoil. But then once they got bought, and then you know when they had the money in the January transfer window, they basically you know bought the players that they needed, so they're safe. Uh, interesting to see how they're going to do. You know, maybe in a couple, well, not a couple. It's going to take a while. Let's be clear. But you know, they could eventually do try to do what City did, because you know after. After um, City was bought, you know, it took it took them some time, and then they finally, you know, they're they're here now. So maybe Newcastle can try to follow that. Um, as for a underperformer, I'm going to go with Everton because the fact oh, yeah. that yes, the yes, fact yes. that you know they've consistently been in the top half for the past couple of seasons. You know, you know, you had um, you had uh, Rafa Benitez, uh, and then you know the fact that you barely barely get through because if you don't win that game at a at home against Crystal Palace, where they stormed the pitch, even though there was five minutes left. I, <laughs> I want I, because I'm pretty sure uh, we were talking about that Nick last week because the game was about to start. But the fact that you know they they barely got the barely got through, you know, it just because I'm pretty sure that their net spend is higher than Liverpool. So I don't know what they're doing with their money, but um, you know th- that would be an underperformer. Uh, and what Frank Lampard needs to do is you know get them started on the right track next year because this year was all about survive. Next year has to be about you know 
doing better than 16th because a club like Everton, you know, the the fact that they were so close to going down, you know, they should not be there with, with their reputation and, and with their, you know, with the fact that they're able to spend the money that they have been spending, they should not be in 16th. I'm going to go the disappointment route because I think we've covered all the obvious surprises, but I think there's a, a disappointer that's, that's fall, uh, flying under the radar. That's Aston Villa. Okay. I think when you 14th place, when you sell Jack Grealish, you get a hundred million pounds. You have, you bring in players like Buendia, you bring in Coutinho, you bring in Danny Ings. You have solid midfielders like Douglas Luiz and John McGinn. Dine at left back, Jacob Ramsey, a good young player. Matty Cash at right back. To me, that's a team that on paper should not be coming in 14th place. I think Steven Gerrard hasn't done that great of a job since he's come in. And I think I mean, it's yeah, I mean, under the... Uh, did you not see what happened in the City match? He had one job, and he was doing it for 60-something <laughs> minutes. Help out not your former team. Not everything's about Liverpool, Michael. Not everything's <laughs> about Liverpool. <laughs> this is about Aston Villa. When you get 100 million pounds for a team like for a player like Grealish, people call Grealish a snake. It'd be, He'd be a snake if he if he didn't leave for 100 million pounds. Mm-hmm. Like that's he he financed this club's transfers for this foreseeable future. But I think when you think about the players they brought in, bringing in Gerrard, coming in 14th place, and it's falling under the radar because teams like Everton and Leeds maybe have been so disappointing. But I think next season Aston Villa really need to look to push up the table and maybe for European places because I think the squad that they have, a manager like Steven Gerrard who kind of proved his worth winning the league with Rangers. Hopefully, and going unbeaten. for Aston Villa fans, that they can push up the table because I think 14th place they should be disappointed with. Oh, that's a good point, especially when they finished 11th in the table last year, and we're certainly more, I think, in the conversation right than than they were this year. And I think in general, like we mentioned too, and that's why to me, Man United is such a big disappointment this year. They were second in the table last year, that magical season, and when you revamp your roster and improve like they did, I mean, you know, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo, you can't ignore him being there. I mean, that's incredible that you, with all that talent in the room, you fall so you know almost catastrophically down from there is a bit of a surprise, I think. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we always have teams in the middle of the pack, and we got to, again, talk about Brighton's jump from 16th all the way up to 9th is an incredible thing to talk about. And, and now we'll look ahead, obviously, to next year, too. We've got a few new teams entering the party. That's Fulham making their way right back into the to Premier League along with Bournemouth. And then we've got one more uh, playoff promotion game there to dictate that third team that's going to be joining the conversation. So very interesting. I think, I think guys, in general, you know, the Premier League is always fun to talk about this season maybe more than any other in a lot of ways, honestly, with how exciting it has been and how many good teams you have. And I don't think it's going to change next year. I mean, the competition across the board is getting better and better, and really you can't count any club out on any given weekend, and, and Sunday showed us exactly that. So I think it was an incredible season, top to bottom, and, and a perfect way to end what has been a remarkable Premier League campaign. And, and as you mentioned, Michael, we've got a little more soccer left, and that's the Champions League, because as much as you... Might be sad about losing the Premier League. You still got one more title up in the air, and that is the Champions League final. We're, we're just a few days away from that now as Liverpool takes on Real Madrid and what is really, that's two juggernauts. I mean, you know, beyond any other imagination, those are two teams that are just incredible for this type of stage, and I'm, I'm sure you are certainly looking forward to this one, Mike. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, having you know having the opportunity to see uh, Liverpool play in another Champions League final, their third and fifth years, you know, it's, it's no small feat. Um, but, you know... Uh, Going off of this season, you know, it after you know after losing it by one point, uh, I would expect Liverpool to you know have that fire. But I mean, obviously, you know, Real Madrid is Real Madrid. They've won the competition thirteen times, and I remember every time in the knockout stages, you know, against PSG. Okay, they're gone. 
you know, because they have a two, they have to score two goals to stay in it. Uh, after Chelsea do, you know, I, I think they're leading. And then, you know, that beautiful pass by Modric uh, pushes it to extra time. The fact that they were, you know, six minutes from elimination against Manchester City, you know, one of the best teams in the world right now. And the fact that they were, that they were able to score two goals in less than two minutes in stoppage time, you know, Real Madrid are the kings of this competition. So, you know, they've, you know, they've had uh, an incredible journey to get here. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's it's just two of the greatest teams uh, in the world or of all time, you know, uh, uh, fighting it out for the ultimate prize. It feels almost like a season of destiny for Real Madrid, considering yeah, everything yeah. that's happened in the Champions League, all their black magic, all the comebacks. I like that, yeah. All, all the improbables. But... They haven't quite faced. I mean, they have faced teams like Liverpool. They, who am I kidding? They've they've run the gauntlet <laughs> in this round of, in this knockout stage. They've faced PSG. They've faced Chelsea. They've faced Man City. Does not get more elite than that. They've proved their worth and why they're here. And when I look at this matchup between these two teams, I think there's some very interesting matchups, you know, around the field that that, that should you know be focused on. I just think about how fast Vinicius is mm. how fast mm-hmm. Rodrigo is mm. and how high of a line Liverpool play and I can see Tony Cruz maybe popping a ball over the top of Vinicius just running onto it and getting past you know the high Liverpool line mm-hmm. but then you say that and or Liverpool could dictate the whole game in possession because we've seen Real Madrid sort of play in different styles in this knockout stage and away in Paris they were really hardly any possession at all were hunkered down and lost one nil. Sure, that was away in Paris, but and then we've seen them against Man City again, not really in that second leg, be in the game at all until the 89th minute when Rodrigo gets that first goal, and then the second one comes and they start to play better in extra time. It's just a, a case where I feel like this might be a game where at a certain point in a final tactics fly out the window, and it's really just about who gets a bounce, who wants it more. Because I think these are two elite clubs, and I think trying to pick between either of them it could go very poorly. So I think I'm going to throw a stat at you guys. Real Madrid, you know their record in the recent Champions League finals they've been to? It, it's impressive. I, I, I honestly can't tell you the last time when they lost a They've Champions won the League last now. seven and haven't lost since 1981. Oh, oh, I know that stat. Now, who beat them in 1981? Liverpool in Paris, 1-0. So here's what's interesting, I think, is that these are two teams that are very familiar with each other. They played back in 2018, and that was a Madrid win, obviously. And I think, but you guys both brought up really good points. I think, Nick, about Madrid running the gauntlet, I mean, they've had to work through some pretty tough teams to get here, right? Chelsea, Man City, PSG. I, I think those... It doesn't get much better than that, right? I mean, especially, I, I think that's the challenge for Real Madrid. They're battle-tested, but I think the difference is they've also been preparing for this game for a little bit longer than Liverpool has. You talk about Liverpool, they've still been busy, Mike, you know, between the FA Cup, between a Premier League title race that has gone to the finish line versus Madrid and La Liga, who's kind of coasted the last couple of weeks, right? So I think this is why it's very interesting about these two teams' fatigue coming into this game and the situation that they're in. And Madrid, like you guys mentioned, I mean, it has been an incredible story in the Champions League, what they have been able to do this year, when I don't think, coming into it, I don't think anybody really thought they'd be in this position. I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anybody really thought that. And now they've again proven why they deserve to be here. And I think it's going to be a really, really fun game, without a doubt. It's going to be very entertaining because you got two teams that, again, they know each other, they don't like each other, they're both incredibly talented, and we've got a lot of storylines, too, you know, around these teams and their personnel who's going on the field. Obviously, the big story with uh, Madrid as of late is losing out on, on Kylian Mbappe, which, you know, 
If you want to, you want to say something, Mike? Yeah, I mean, the fact that you said no to you know Real Madrid and you stick with PSG, you know, the fact that they were offering the same terms, <laughs> like I, I just don't understand how Mbappe says no to his boyhood club. I mean, it's just like you know, the, the Madrid wanted him. Like I'm pretty sure that you know they may have wanted to get him uh, Holland, but they were like, no, we're going to stick with Mbappe because you know, and the fact that Mbappe basically led them on a 12 month, you know, like circus only to stay with PSG you know it's kind of I, I I'm not a big fan of it to be well, honest what's weird about it too is that he's somebody who's acted I don't know how you feel about this Nick but Mbappe has always said he wants to play for Madrid like it's not a secret that he wants to do that yet he still has stuck to PSG for one reason or another and I think it's an interesting decision from that standpoint to me it's a weird thing I don't know you, you think about the things that they gave him in that contract with PSG you you hear that he is a he's a, a say in the manager he's a say in the who's going to be the technical director of PSG. He's a say and all that. I don't know if as a player I would want all that. Mm, like, mm, I feel mm. – I mean, maybe the ego comes in, but I feel like if I was if I was a professional footballer, I would recognize that maybe I'm not the one who knows best about making these kinds of management decisions. But I feel like if you're at that level and you're one of the best players in the world, that sort of thinking doesn't really happen. But to lead Real Madrid on like he did, for someone who doesn't really care about either of the clubs, I just kind of found it funny. Like, they <laughs> – they were. I think everybody in the entire world was expecting this transfer to happen at some point. Just of how often Mbappe's hinted at it, how often it's been reported by journalists that this was going to happen at some point. And then everybody was okay. It's happening this summer. He's going to leave. His contract is, is up. On a free. And yeah. then for him to pull a sort of LeBron James esque decision, <laughs> only to stay and not go to Miami. This time only to stay <laughs> with with PSG. It's. A circus is the right word, Mike. It was it was a circus. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I think it's you know that tells me okay, you know, because because let's be honest, what's the harder league, Madrid? Sorry, uh, La Liga or Ligon? Yeah, yeah, you know, I yeah. think we can all agree that La Liga is one of the best leagues in the world, uh, and the fact that you know he decided to stay in Ligon, where you know PSG have basically you know I mean if you take a look at their squad against anyone else, I mean it's. You know, it's kind of a joke. That's got to be the feeling to me, though, Mike, is the fact that I have to think that there's he has must feel like there's something on the table at PSG, right? I think you have to feel like there's some unrequited potential there that they haven't really satisfied yet. Yeah, but it's Real Madrid. Like, Real Madrid is one of the greatest clubs in the world. I mean, he said that, too. He wants to play there. He's made that very clear. And this was his chance. Like, Madrid, I believe, were, like, leveling PSG's uh, salary. Like, they basically gave him, like, it was basically, like, an, an equal contract. You know, that is how much... Real Madrid wanted him, you know, the fact that, you know, because, you know, he, he would have been, I mean, obviously, you know, he's staying with PSG, but I, I just don't like the fact that he stayed there. You know, it, it just tells me that he didn't, like, he just cared about the money at Wasn't the end. Wasn't it funny, though, that we complain about guys staying at teams now, whereas, like, you know, we said yeah. before, like, why in the world would, you know, Erling Holland, why would you turn down Manchester City, right? Why, you know, it's almost like we almost wonder why guys are staying when in other sports it's almost like that's the you know a greatest thing in the world you could do is when you stay with a team right so it's a fascinating narrative shift that we see in international soccer is because of the way the money's flowing right now mm-hmm. and how many good teams there are out there right so yeah i mean honestly i i think that at this point psg have to win it with, with uh, the champions league with mbappe because if not then you know the the view of PSG will always remain. Yeah, they just have money and they have an easy league. Until, well, also bring up until too. they win that Champions League. You know, in terms of you know, like if you comp- if you're comparing them to Real Madrid, you know, it's not even close. 
I think yeah. it's interesting though because also now you know you lock up obviously Mbappe, you have Messi there, and now Neymar is always a question of what he's going to do, right? But if you have those three guys there, again, we talk about talent a lot. There's no reason they can't be in the situation that Liverpool and Madrid are in right now. But what I was going to say, Nick, is the fact that I don't think Madrid is anything to to lose sleep over either because obviously we've seen very clearly this is a team that regardless of who is there. They're incredibly led by Ancelotti, who is now pursuing you know, his fourth Champions League title. No one's ever done that before, right? And this is a guy who, top to bottom, understands international soccer, and at, particularly at this level, unlike anybody else. And I think, to me, it leads me to say that no matter who's there, Madrid is still going to find a way to perform when their backs are against the wall, and, and has me also saying that they're going to they're gonna win it this year, too. This is a man who all he has to do is move his lip a little bit. And, then <laughs> and the eyebrow, and the eyebrow. Goes, and the eyebrow, and Real Madrid goes absolutely crazy and no team in the entire world can handle that but recruiting wise i don't think real madrid in the long term i don't think they have anything to really lose sleep over sure they lost out on Mbappe, who's one of the best players in the world probably will be the best if he's not already yep but we've seen the kind of players that real madrid has brought in whether it's vinicius or rodrigo camavinga young players like that who are going to blossom i mean camavinga when he's come on as a sub in the champions league has been so so yep. impressive yep. in the midfield yep. 19 years old he's going to turn to one of the best midfielders midfielders in the world mm-hmm. vinicius has taken such great strides in the last couple of years rodrigo this year taking some great strides strides these players are going to blossom into superstars and if real madrid can continue to find young players like that you don't necessarily need a player like Kylian mbappe to to score all the goals for you if you're going to be making as smart transfers as they've been making and don't forget that they're also going to get uh from monaco uh i don't know how to pronounce the last name uh a Tatua Amy or something like that. Uh, he, I remember that Liverpool were interested in him, but uh, it it looks like you know he might go to Madrid for around eighty million. So you know, it's like you said, they're not going to be losing that much sleep because you know at the end of the day, you are Real Madrid. You are one of the biggest clubs in the world. Full stop. So you know they can easily yeah. find someone else willing to join them because at the end of the day, it's Real Madrid. They've just won La Liga. They're in another Champions League final. You know. It that's the that's the type of club that you want to be at. So uh, let's get some unbiased picks here, Mike. Who you have in this one? <laughs> um, I mean, I I have to go with Liverpool, but no, you don't. You actually don't have to. No, you really don't. That is true. You but no, to. I I am terrified of Madrid because you know, if if you go for like player for player, who would you rather have? I w- I would say that my majority of if you combine the the teams would be mostly Liverpool, but. The fact that we've seen Real Madrid go down against great teams like PSG, Chelsea, Mount City. And then, you know, just by raising an eyebrow, they come back. So so what I'm terrified is the nightmare scenario where late in the game, Liverpool are up 1-0. And we're in like the 90th minute. And then all of a sudden, you know, Madrid score one or two. That is the nightmare scenario for me. You've been scarred once before now. I, I, I've been scarred. No, no, even before then, I was like, like the fact that, you know, Liverpool have quality. There, There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I, I, and, you know, I, I say that Liverpool is going to win it. But if, you know, if Madrid are only down by one and we're, we're and, you know, there's like a couple of minutes of stoppage time. Those minutes, I mean, of, of course, you know, we're minutes away from winning. But the fact that, you know, Madrid is, as they've shown, they can, you know, make a comeback like that. Two goals within two minutes against City. Um, so, you know, I, I, I am terrified of, like, having it so close. And then, you know, Ancelotti makes that one sub, either by bringing on Camavinga or, you know, bringing on Gareth Bale because apparently he's in the squad. Mm, I, yeah. I, I'm scarred mm. from from what uh, from what Gareth Bale did in the 2018 final. Then again, we had Carrius. He seems then. he's a finals kind of guy, yeah. We, we have Allison now. 
but you know, and Allison's miles better than than Carius. But you know, the the fact that Gareth Bale hasn't really been mentioned, obviously this year, he, you know, he's he's kind of fallen off, uh, you know, uh, with Madrid. But the fact that you know. Gareth Bale it has been a great player. Like without him, they don't win the twenty eighteen. They don't win twenty fourteen. Uh, you know, like he's won so many trophies for that club, uh, and the fact that you know he, uh, you know, this is probably his his last game for Madrid. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm terrified at the prospect that you know we are that close to winning it, and then Madrid t- turn it around just like that. Um, I think if it goes to penalties, then I th- I don't think we're three times lucky. <laughs> I, I'm gonna be honest. Like I, I don't want it to go to pens. Because then nobody does, honestly, nobody does. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, as you know, we've won uh, both of the other cups uh, in penalties against some random team. Uh, so the fact that you know, if it goes to uh, penalties again in the Champions League, I, I, I think Madrid somehow win that. But it's you know, either way, it's going to be a great final. Um, but I will say that the result of this will determine how I view Liverpool season. Because if if after all of this, we only win the FA and the Carabao. It's a massive, you know, it, it's n- n- not shame, but, you know, w- we underperformed if we if we only come out with those two trophies. And Real Madrid have already performed that dreaded scenario that you that you talked about <laughs> in 2014 against Atletico. Exactly, exactly. And, 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 who scored, and, and who scored the winning goal or, or like the one to make it 2-1? Gareth Bale. Bale. Yeah, so. Common theme here, yes. <sighs> and they would go on to win four one. And, and tell me, who who was the coach during that fourteen season? Carlo Ancelotti. Yep. So that's where I'm at. This, my thinking, is not based on anything. Here, here you go. So we've had three Champions League finals <laughs> in a row that are really not boring. That are kind of boring. Okay, last year Chelsea one nil, 2020 pandemic, no fans, one nil Bayern Munich. Year before. Salah gets the early penalty. Chelsea, uh, Liverpool win 2 0. I want to say that that was boring. I love that game. <laughs> no, it was pretty boring. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. This is three Champions League finals in a row that have not been exciting at all. It's going to be 2 2, goes to penalties. Real Madrid win on penalties. Okay. I like it. I like it. I think we are due for some excitement. There's no, and these are two teams that like to score, they like to run, they like to keep the pace going. I think it's going to be a fun game. But then that always that tells reason. you this is going to be like 1 0 if both teams are all, if both teams are super I like your thinking, though. Well, 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 I like don't, your don't thinking. forget, you know, no one expects, I mean, actually, I, I, I'm not even sure, but, you know, the uh, the first leg of the semifinals, Man City, Real Madrid, that was a 4 3. You know, there were goals galore. So, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I don't want that to happen because, you know, that would be too much. I've already heart gone through. Rate, yeah, but I just think the way right. the game is played right now, we've seen a lot of goals this season in general. I think we're due for some sort of final that's going to deliver that same type of expectation. It should be a lot of fun either way. I, too, am thinking kind of like you, Nick. I think like a 3-2 game in favor of Madrid. I think it's going to be back and forth. Um, not, not to beat you down here, Mike, but I do think this is Madrid's tournament to win this year. It just feels that way to me. Uh, and we'll, we'll find out. We will find out, Mike. All I'm saying is that if Liverpool win it, you might want to mute your Google chat. And when your are, where messages. are you watching the game? Uh, I'm probably going to watch it at home because um, it's going to be on CBS because it's the final. Thank gosh, right? My goodness. Thank goodness. This game's finally yeah. on national TV. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I well, mean, you yeah. have Paramount Plus, right? I do have Paramount Plus, yeah. Nick, I, Nick, please tell me you don't. I don't. I watch all of the games in Spanish on, on Univision. Yes, television. that's ah. a great point, too. Didn't, yeah, Univision. See, he's yeah, got yeah, well, yeah, well, unfortunately, in London, you know, if, if I'm not at the game, uh, I ca- I'm not going to pay for BT Sports, so I just use my good old Paramount subscription. But just yeah, like, I mean, just like the rest of us now. Yep, no more yeah. London perks. Yeah, no more being able to go to games like the four three or you know the, the New York Red game. Bulls are right there. 
They're right there. Do not compare the New York Red Bulls to a team like Liverpool. Hey, I mean, Barcelona is coming to Red Bull Arena. In, that uh, is true, yeah, time. yeah. Like, that should be a and fun I will, game. I'll be on vac- I can't go to that game. I'm going to be on vacation. Oh, I will cover so you for that. Yeah, I will cover you, you for that. I will <laughs> sign up. I'm not going to I was actually going to talk to Ryan and, like, see if I can start doing some I don't games. know if you can do that. I don't know if you can you can sack off MLS the whole time. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, that's a great there. point. Well, you no, can just dive in. <laughs> if you remember uh, before the podcast, I was talking. read this stuff. Nick, I'm not even sure if you heard that, but before the podcast, uh, I, I I mistakenly said that all soccer's done. No, it's not because you know all the, the top five is done. But you know I, I am slowly starting to warm up to MLS specifically. Where did this come NYCFC. from? Slowly starting to warm up. Remember, I work for the Yankees and we host NYCFC, so I have to you know I, I can't you know talk bad about the reigning MLS champions. So, Thank you. Know, you. That uh, was that was very heartfelt. Thank you, Mike. I exactly. appreciate that. So you know, using that, I will now. Well, speaking of which, I mean, they're on a quite a tear lead. I just want to bring that up. I mean, they haven't allowed a goal in five straight games. So just want to throw out there, NYCFC playing a very high caliber football right now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, this is gonna be a fun final. This is uh, this is this Saturday, May twenty eighth, out uh, three p.m. out in France. Should be a good one, and we'll see what happens. I'm definitely looking forward to it either way. And that is really going to be the stamp on what has been an extraordinary soccer season across the globe. And Mike, I know you wanted to mention one last thing too, talking about international soccer. Our good friend, our good friend Jose Mourinho, right? Yeah. Nick, is that fair? Our good friend. I love the man. And how could you not? How could you not? Now I, he has now accomplished an incredible feat too, yes, winning the Europa Conference mm-hmm. League with Roma, and really what was an emotional victory for him for that club, Mike. And now he is somebody who has cemented himself in international glory. That's his fifth title. He's already out in Europe. Cemented, even before that. Like, That's true. I, like this is just establishing that for me, he is one of the greatest coaches of all time. The fact that he's won all three, you know, Champions League, Europa League, and the European Conference League. I mean, yeah, it's the first season, but still, the fact that he was able to do it. Um, just shows that no matter where he goes, as long as it's not Spurs, he can win <laughs> trophies. Um, but you know, I you know, I I, uh, I watched a bit of the final. And, you know the the fact that it was Roma's first uh, continental title, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know the the fact that you know the, the pure passion. You know, uh, it just it shows that yeah. you know he's a serial winner. Uh, and I look forward to seeing how they perform because uh, they finished sixth, so they already had Europa League football, but. Uh, by winning this, they also get into the Europa League. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how they play. And yeah, I'm just you know I- I'm happy for uh, I'm happy for Mourinho. Well, and I think every now and then you get to those points where you have like these generational talents that exit and leave the game. And I think we're at that time right now with coaches, right? Between Pep Guardiola, between Jurgen Klopp, Carlo Ancelotti is another one, right? And now Jose Mourinho, Nick. I think this is an incredible time in terms of the the leadership that we have in this sport. And I think it's certainly going to be sad when these guys do start to leave the game because their impact is still incredible even now and certainly doesn't look like it's going anywhere soon either, in my opinion. So. It is. And I just want to say, what does it say about Tottenham Hotspur as a club? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Jose Mourinho is the only – like he's won everywhere except yeah, everywhere. Tottenham. I feel like if they didn't sack him before that League Cup final, they would have won. Like that's what You the, think so what uh, against for. Pep? I don't – Mourinho wins finals. That's what he, he does. does. He yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure his record against finals is 14 out of 15. Wow. The only one wow. he lost to was against Chelsea. I don't know the I don't know the match, but I believe that's the record. 14 out of 15. But he's won every European final he's ever been in. And you want to know who can't say that? Pep, because Pep <laughs> See, lost against. Just... Uh, that was Chelsea. just uncalled for, man. No, no, no. I'm gonna be. We're here no, celebrating no, uh, this man's no. legacy, and now you come in always. I'm gonna say to no. Uh, no, one. I'm gonna say because people are like who's better, Pepper Jose. I will always say that Jose is better for one reason. Why do we have to say better or worse? Jose won the Champions League with Porto, and Inter Milan doing a treble. Yeah, that, that's a good point. 
Pep has only won it with Barcelona. And if you take a look at who was in that Barcelona, you had Iniesta, Xavi, Puyol, Piquet, Valdez, Messi. Like, you you literally had, like, you know, amazing players. And, uh, you know, if you compare that team to the Inter team or to the Porto team, you'd say, you know, that Barcelona team is better just because, you know, that it's Bar- it's Barcelona with the players that they had. And the fact that he went over to Bayern, didn't win it there. Um, he's moved on to Man City and he, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, they made, they almost won it last year. Uh, and this year they were six minutes away from another final. And, and I mentioned this before, I'm going to say it again. If you look at, uh, the previous history, if a coach makes it back to back, they lose the first one, they win the second one. Cause Klopp lost 18, won 19, Tuchel lost 20, 121. So trends, you know, indicate, oh, maybe Pep wins it with City. But the fact that he's never won it at anywhere besides Barcelona, you know, that for me is why Jose uh, is better. And I and, and the last thing I'll say is this. The last time Liverpool lost the league by a point, we ended up winning the Champions League that year. So, you know, hopefully uh, that trend also shows again uh, on Saturday. You're done? Yeah, I'm done. Thank you. Nick, any final words? I just, this Premier League seasons, there's not always a title race. There's not always you know, tough where there's not always a big relegation battle lead staying up at the last second. This year we got all three. So I'm very thankful for that. Hopefully the Champions League final could put a cap on what's really been an excellent season. AC Milan winning Serie A. Yes. In, yes, in yes. that title race over there. Bundesliga doesn't. First one in 11 years. Won, of course, but for AC. We, had, we had more than one European title race and hopefully just the Champions League final can put a nice bow on what's been an excellent European season. Well, I got to tell you guys, I must feel guilty that I haven't been on this show for a very, very long time. How long have I been telling you to get on, Alex? I decided to show up at the very end, at the end of the season, for what is by far the best time yet. And it's because of you guys. So it's been a lot of fun. Nick Guzman, Michael Hernandez, good to see you, my friend, in person. As always, this has been fun. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. And we will be getting out of here now. This is FUVFC, as always, a production of WFE Sports. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, everybody. We will catch you very soon. Definitely more to talk about in the Champions League and always Major League Soccer. Don't forget about it. Thanks, everyone.